Hello, everybody. Welcome to Max Sports, your football podcast, Monday through Friday, five days a week. We got a lot to talk about in the NFL coaching moves, teams keeping their coaches, teams getting rid of their coaches. What do these moves mean for other people potentially capable of getting one of these jobs? We'll have to talk about that first. Then after that, I kind of want to do a receipts segment. So I have a bunch of questions that I want to try and answer and see if I can predict how the NFL playoffs are going to go. How many upsets? Who's my Super Bowl pick? As we go. Now, I will be doing my actual picks on these games, each individual playoff game, tomorrow on Thursday. And then Friday, we'll find something fun to do to wrap up our week. But we're talking about hump day today. We still have half a week to go. Let's get it started with this episode. All right, so we have some head coaching news that came out yesterday for two different teams. To start things off, Mike Vrabel of the Tennessee Titans has been let go after last season. He was a guy that really helped establish Tennessee and get him as far as the AFC Championship game back in 2019. However, as his core of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown started to age and get more expensive, it wasn't handled very well, whether that was by him or upper management, and the talent slowly regressed or left. Since then, they have just kind of been a middle-of-the-pack team. Knowing Mike Vrabel, though, he is a guy that is a very, very good coach, but I don't think he really would be successful in a rebuild situation. He helped elevate Tennessee from an average team to a playoff contender for about a four-year run, but I don't know if he's necessarily the young gun that you want to build a team around for three, four seasons. He's been there long enough. I think it's better for him to find a new place. Other news that came out is that despite making some changes with certain coaches on the team, the Chicago Bears will be keeping Matt Eberflus another season. I think that this is something interesting because I personally have been tying Matt Eberflus and Justin Fields together now as a, as a package, if you would want to say. Why? I think it is because Eberflus was brought in at the same at a similar time as Justin Fields. He was there to try and build him as a quarterback. I think that this shows, and maybe I'm doing way too much, but I think this could show that Chicago may not want Caleb Williams or Drake May or whoever is there at the number one spot in the NFL draft. And they may trade out of that top position and get a wide receiver or a top defensive player. Chicago might be sticking with Justin Fields and Matt Eberflus. I would be shocked if they brought Eberflus back as the head coach and then decided to move on from Fields when he would be the win-now-ready pick, especially if you add a top-three pick in the draft to build on this core. You would assume that that is the move that would get them to the playoffs. Remember, Eberflus just finished his second year. His first year, they had the worst record in all of football. This year, they finished 7-10. and 10. So if they were to bring Eberflus back, the expectations should be playoffs or bust. And I don't know why they would bring him back to then trade away the best piece they would have at potentially going to the playoffs in Justin Fields. So I think that might have solidified stuff, and it might have also answered where other coaches could go. Jim Harbaugh the college coach at Michigan has been rumored to be 
a top head coaching candidate this cycle. He's obviously spent time in the NFL with the 49ers, taking them to a Super Bowl back in 2013, I believe, 2012, 2013. And he had been one of the most successful coaches around that time before he went back to Michigan. Harbaugh would have been a great fit in Chicago. He's an offensive mind. That has been their struggle since, uh, well, for the longest time now. They don't even have a quarterback that has ever passed for 4,000 yards in their history. And I think it would have been a reuniting thing, too, knowing that Harbaugh used to play for Chicago. Maybe that would have been a good fit. I've seen a lot of fans that definitely liked it. But if they're keeping Matt Eberflus, it most likely means if Jim Harbaugh is going to the NFL, he may have already picked a team or narrowed down his decision or decided he wants to stay at the University of Michigan. So now that we got those two out of the way, Chicago and and uh, Mike Vrabel's update, now that Tennessee has joined the head coaching carousel, let's take a look at what it's looking like right now. To start things off, we'll go with the Atlanta Falcons. For those who don't know, they fired Arthur Smith, their former head coach of three seasons, I believe. I believe he got hired the same year as Dan Campbell and, um, oh, who's the guy in Miami? Mike McDaniel. I think he got hired the same time as those guys. Um, he was an interesting hire when he was originally brought to Atlanta. He was the offensive coordinator for Tennessee under Vrabel. He had a great running offense. Derrick Henry had put up some all-time stats, and the offense was a, a very run-centric uh, offense that was able to get them almost to the Super Bowl back in 2019. So you think bringing him to Atlanta, bringing pieces around him like Bajan Robinson, Tyler Algier, and then just getting enough of a quarterback. You know, they didn't have a superstar in Tennessee. Ryan Tannehill was just a solid enough quarterback to complete play-action passes, convert third downs if they needed it. He, he wasn't a superstar by any means. Getting Arthur Smith in there, if, as long as they had a game manager at quarterback, you would assume that they had enough weapons if they if the quarterback needed to make a deep pass, he could get there. And then you have the run game with Algier and Bijan. With whatever Arthur Smith was able to bring in at Tennessee, he would be able to succeed there very well. Well, whether it was ineptitude, whether it was just getting – way too complicated and things. It felt like Atlanta, especially on the offensive side, was the reason why Smith got fired. And it's not a good sign when a guy that is a special type of, of coach, if they're an offensive-minded coach or a defensive-minded coach, is struggling on the side of the ball, which is their expertise. Perfect example, Brandon Staley was a defensive guru who followed statistics and was supposed to be high with the analytics. It, his defense was one of the worst in all of football this year. They could not stop a nosebleed. So when it comes to Arthur Smith, you would think if there was a problem with this Atlanta team, it would be their defensive side. No, it was the offensive side. Whether it was him getting overly complicated or trying to draw up plays that were too crazy, I would watch the Atlanta Falcons, who drafted top weapons in the top 10 three straight times. Bajan Robinson last year, they had Kyle Pitts two years ago, and then they had Drake London three years ago. They've drafted a top player, a receiver, a tight end, and a running back, all in the top 10 three straight seasons. You would think those would be enough weapons for Arthur Smith. However, there are times where Smith would, again, play 5D chess and 
you know, use Bajan Robinson as a blocker for Khalif Raymond, uh, or not Khalif Raymond, Kaderil Hodge, sorry. Kaderil Hodge, who is a practice squad at best receiver, and set him up for a play. Or don't use the tight end you drafted higher than any tight end in history in Kyle Pitts. Use Janu Smith, a rotational bench tight end in, in deep passing plays. And while they worked at times, sometimes I'm thinking, why are they using this top-tier talent as decoys and as fakes or not using them at all, yet drafting it so high? And it just felt like a stubborn move by Arthur Smith and a lack of really using your resources wisely. You could have drafted a quarterback fourth overall the year you got Kyle Pitts, yet you decided to take a tight end. That quarterback could have saved you this season because Desmond Ritter has not been the guy as well. The commitment to such mediocre quarterback play for the standard of the NFL is also what I think did Atlanta in. Desmond Ritter and Taylor Heineke, two guys who at best would be solid level backups in this league. I said it again, at best, were the bona fide starters of this team. Job on the line it, it sounds crazier than Max Kellerman's I want Iguodala speech. Martians got the death ray at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. If they don't get a touchdown, they lose. And Arthur Smith threw Taylor Heineke out there. And Desmond Ritter. That, that'll that get you fired. And that just did not seem to be enough in a weak enough division that they could have won it this year. So who takes place in Atlanta now that Arthur Smith is gone? I have two names that I think, and I think one more than the other, based on what I've been seeing. I've been trying to look at uh, Atlanta sports media and see what some of the fans and some of the insiders are thinking. And there's one name I, I would recommend first, and then there's one that I think will be the option. First one is Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Ben Johnson has a finesse offense that can play power football when it needs to. It's a very interesting type of offense. There's a lot of movement. There's a lot of confusion. There's a lot of decoy, something that might be giving PTSD to Atlanta Falcon fans. But based on my experience with him in Detroit, he does seem to use his talent wisely. So they have weapons. Again, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, Bajan Robinson, Tyler Algier. That's plenty enough weapons to get it done in the NFL. He could use those weapons very well. Ben Johnson loves using tight ends in the receiving game. Well, he was a former tight ends coach, and you got Kyle Pitts, who has the potential to be one of the best in all of football. That could be a really good fit. And if Atlanta wants to go on the a youth movement, they have a bunch of young players, get a potential young coach like Ben Johnson, who could be there for a decade and a half if it all seems to work out right. Plus, they will have a top eight pick to work with to potentially get a future quarterback that would also be able to help out this team. The other guy I think could be a really good fit, and it's one that I've heard more people talking about for Atlanta, is Bobby Slowick, the Houston Texans offensive coordinator. We've seen what Houston has been able to do in one single year under D'Amico Ryans, but part of it is not only just D'Amico Ryans, the head coach of Houston, it's the offensive coordinator, Bobby Slowick. He has been able to turn C.J. Stroud into one of the best quarterbacks in all of football in his rookie year. That is very impressive. The run game has looked great. And then they've established wide receivers that we have never heard of coming into the season. Nico Collins. Some might have seen him as a, a huge breakaway star this year. 
I didn't see that coming. Tank Dell, a rookie receiver drafted in the middle rounds, became their leading receiver through halfway through the season. Slowick has made a perfect offense dynamic for today's NFL. And again, this is Atlanta struggles. They have a solid veteran defense with huge pieces, especially in the secondary. A.J. Terrell, amazing player. Jesse Bates, probably the best safety in all of football. If they can partner a good offense, get one of these young guys in, and mix it with this solid defense that we saw last year, I think Atlanta could win the division as soon as next season. Let's talk about the Tennessee Titans. As of right now, I have it in my notes that I have no effing clue what they are going to do. It looks like they have to do the full youth movement, and this is something that I said I thought was going to happen. I didn't believe in the Tennessee Titans this year. Yes, they had a veteran team, and yes, injuries kind of derailed them last year. They were 7-3 and three at one point in the season last year, playing at Kansas City on the road for the number one seed option. They ended up losing all of their remaining games except one, and despite still having a chance to make the playoffs the final game of the season, they were starting Joshua Dobbs at quarterback, and it just didn't seem to be the right option. I think that Tennessee is a very solid program. They have been very, they've been run very well. However, I think that they have committed to an older core trying to get one last ride out of them instead of rebuilding, which now looking at it in the hindsight should have happened about two years ago. Ryan Tannehill is not a franchise quarterback, and that's been known for about two years now. Derrick Henry, he's starting to slow down a little bit. You had a chance to get something out of him this year when it comes to draft capital, and you couldn't get anything. And then you go out and make a win-now move, trading for DeAndre Hopkins, which while I do like the move based on how much you're paying for the guy, I don't think that he really helps you win right now. The best thing that you could do with DeAndre Hopkins is trade him for future draft capital that will work with Will Levis someday, a new young quarterback. So Tennessee, you have the quarterback. Will they commit to it? We know nowadays when it comes to quarterbacks, just because someone else brought them in does not mean that the new regime will commit to them. So they either have to find a coach that wants Will Levis or will want a new quarterback. Tennessee will be in the spot if they really want to get one, but I think they stick it with Will Levis, and I think whatever coach they bring in will commit to him. When it comes to Las Vegas, the Vegas Raiders, they were another team that has fired a head coach. I believe that it is going to be Antonio Pierce. It could be Jim Harbaugh as well, but again, if they can't get the high splash signing, I think Antonio Pierce proved enough in his time at Vegas that he can do pretty well as a head coach. He took a Vegas Raiders team that, honestly, a lot of people were thinking is one of the worst teams in all of football and made them at least a respectable 500 team. Now, that's not Super Bowl. That's not playoffs. But you know what it is? Stability. They've been an absolute train wreck in recent years. Josh McDaniels, and then you had the um, scandal with John Gruden as the head coach. That was just an absolute dumpster fire. Maybe it would be nice to just stay out of the spotlight. I know Vegas doesn't like doing that. Stay out of the spotlight. Get the guy that is a great culture fit for you, and then add talent around him. They have a great defense. They could probably use a quarterback next year. I think they will be shopping for one. And I also do think that maybe some offensive line help, but they have Devontae Adams. They have Josh Jacobs, and then they have a solid defense. They honestly aren't that far away from being a contender for a playoff spot nowadays.
Let's move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. I think the Chargers are a team that are going to want to make the big splash move of the offseason. Every year, it feels like the Chargers win the offseason award. Every year, they have a great draft. They get a great splash signing. They make a big trade. Every offseason. And I feel like that leads the Charger fans or just the mainstream media every year to go, this is a Super Bowl team. They're going to rival the Chiefs. This is a team that can win the division. And yet, it is now seven years and counting that the Chiefs have continued to win the division. So, what are the Chargers going to do? I think that there is one really good fit, and that would be none other than Bill Belichick. Now, this is depending on if Belichick is leaving, and there's still, as of this recording has been a lot of belief that he is gone, he's not gone, but I think that this would be one of the best fits in football. Now, I was actually talking with my buddy, and you know, we just have different opinions on it. I'm not saying people are right or wrong, but I will share what I'm thinking when it comes to Bill Belichick. He is an elite defensive mind. I think the biggest problem in the recent failures of the New England Patriot way are because he was the GM and the head coach. He was making decisions on who they were drafting, who they were signing, instead of just focusing on the field. I think as a coach, he is still one of the best defensive minds in all of football. And what do the Chargers desperately need? A defensive head coach. Just or yeah, Justin Herbert is going to be an elite quarterback in this league for a long time. And if Belichick can find a guy, some young offensive mind, to partner with this offensive coordinator role, I think that there's a very good chance the Chargers could be one of the better teams in football. Belichick is 72, and he's not getting any younger. I think he still has the drive, though, to want to win. I feel like if he didn't want to win Super Bowls, he wouldn't be there anymore. He's won too much at this level to just accept mediocre, average seasons. So I think the Chargers would be the best fit for Bill Belichick. Another name could be Jim Harbaugh as well, if Harbaugh is leaving Michigan. The Chargers have the chance, I think, to get the big splash head coach signing, like I had mentioned. But honestly, if they can't get Harbaugh or Belichick, I don't know who we're really looking for next. Maybe it's a Ben Johnson or Bobby Slowick. Maybe they go for an offensive mind to partner with Justin Herbert more. But at the end of the day, I think a defensive mind that can really fix up this aging, injury-prone defense might be the better solution for the Chargers moving forward. When it comes to the Carolina Panthers and their head coaching job, I have no effing clue. Same thing I said for the Titans. The Panthers are a team that risked it all for the biscuit last year, getting Bryce Young number one overall in a trade. However, I don't know who is necessarily interested in this head coaching job right now. They don't have a first-round pick next year. They have to commit to Bryce Young, the quarterback, and they have to deal with David Tepper, who since became the owner, uh, since he's become the owner of the Carolina Panthers, has fired five coaching staffs and is currently paying three because of how fast he fired them. So why would you want to work for this guy? Unfortunately, they might have to do a similar route to the Houston Texans of recent years. Look at Lovey Smith when they had him in Houston before they brought in D'Amico Ryans. Smith was a one-year puppet, if we're really being honest here. He was an older coach getting one more opportunity to be the leader of a football team. 
it pretty much was, you're going to be our coach for a year. We're going to blatantly tank for the number one pick in the draft. And then we're going to fire you after one year. And that might be the thing that the Carolina Panthers are going to have to do. Because I don't see why someone like a Harbaugh or a Belichick or any of these younger guys like Ben Johnson, Bobby Slowick would go to Carolina. Yes, you get all the guaranteed money. And yes, there are only 32 of these jobs. If you get one opportunity to be a head coach in the NFL, it may be your only shot in a lifetime. So I understand. And a lot of these guys have the ego or the confidence that they will be able to turn around any situation. But again, Carolina is a very toxic place right now. And that is all due to the owner, David Tepper. Will the new GM for the Carolina Panthers want Bryce Young? What will they do to get rid of him if they don't want him? How would they even replace him if they don't want him? Do they have to commit to them for the sake of their jobs? These are all questions that don't have to be asked at other places. You take the Atlanta job, one, you get two baked-in wins into your season when it comes to playing Carolina. Two, you have the top eight pick in the draft in a very deep quarterback class where you can handpick whoever you want to be the face of your team next year. I'd rather have the Atlanta job than Carolina. I'd rather have the Vegas job than the Carolina job. I'd rather have the commander job now than the Carolina job. Speaking of the commanders, that is where we're going to transition to now. I feel like all of the toxic sludge from the commanders actually just went south into Carolina. Washington now is a very desired place. New ownership gets rid of all the toxicity of the old ownership and management. It's crazy how that can change everything for a team. The Commanders, despite having a very bad season this year, have never had a better opportunity to build a great future for themselves. This is the best it's probably been in two, three decades. And so when it comes to the Commanders, I think that there are a couple ways they could go. One of them, they could go with a coach that's already in-house, Eric Bieniemy. For those who forgot, Eric Bieniemy was the offensive coordinator for two Super Bowl, well, three Super Bowl runs and two Super Bowl titles with the Kansas City Chiefs. He really helped establish Mahomes and the Andy Reid offense into the NFL before leaving last year to go to Washington. He proved early on, despite not having a ton of talent, especially on the offensive line and at the quarterback position, he had Sam Howell leading the NFL in passing yards for a while with the plays he was designing. Now, injuries, regression, and a couple of players just kind of falling apart on the field caused the commanders to self-implode the second half of the season. But Biennemi, I think, showed enough on the offensive side that he might be able to get more out of whatever quarterback they bring in, maybe a Drake May or a Caleb Williams. Building that, building an offensive line, and the defense, despite not being great, they will have plenty of picks from the trades from Montez Sweat and Chase Young, to be able to rebuild and reestablish the Washington Commanders defense. Another one could be Belichick, but I think that a better option for him would be the Chargers. Honestly, I think it'd be better if he stays in New England. And now let's talk about New England because we mentioned Bill Belichick more than other coaches, and he hasn't even left his job yet. Now, I personally believe Belichick will do one of two things. I think he's done in New England. I think he will either leave New England and retire, or he will leave New England and try and maybe have a three, four-year run 
with one of these other teams, maybe the Chargers, again, maybe the Raiders, whatever the case is. I think that Belichick has a lot to prove still. And I think that this team, this New England Patriots team, isn't really ready for a rebuild. I don't think he wants to be there for a rebuild. And that's why I mentioned a name earlier that just got let go yesterday that I think would be a great fit here. Mike Vrabel, former Patriot player under Belichick, now head coach, and he would get an opportunity to coach his former team. Defense or offensive-minded guy. Or no, sorry, sorry. Defensive-minded guy. Sorry, I was thinking about a different coach here. Vrabel is a defensive mind, younger. He would be able to deal with a New England Patriot rebuild because I think it would take a lot less time than a Titan rebuild. The Titans, I think they still have pieces to sell off and they need to get guys out of the house in order to start a rebuild. The New England Patriots are going to have a top three pick to get a Drake May or a Caleb Williams or some very highly talented quarterback to build around for the future. I think getting that for Vrabel, and I think it's a good enough change for New England where it brings in a bit of youth movement, but it brings enough familiarity to the Patriot way that it could keep things calm in New England for years to come. What do you guys think about these coaching hires, coaching openings? I think that these are fairly close, and I'm very excited to see how these hires go because I think depending on some of these, like if the Chargers get Belichick or the Chargers get Harbaugh, I think that that could also determine the results for the other coach. So if Belichick goes to L.A., does Harbaugh just go back to Michigan? If the Chargers get Harbaugh, does Belichick just retire or does he go back to New England? As dominoes fall, I think we will get more answers to some of those pieces, but we'll have to wait and see. Now it's time for our receipt segment. I'm going to take a quick break, make sure I have everything ready for our next segment. I am going to try and make predictions for the NFL uh, playoffs. We'll see who's going to win, what my Super Bowl picks are, and then we'll see how it looks at the end of the season. We'll be right back. All right, I have a few NFL playoff receipts. Now, if you want to play this at home, grab a notepad, listen to the prompts that I am reading out, and you can uh, play along as well. If you don't and you just want to hear what my predictions are, feel free as well. Now, I have several prompts up here on what I think will be the case as of today. Now, as the playoffs go, I will still make picks. I will still predict some team to beat the other team if you know, Patrick Mahomes goes out there and gets injured on the first play of a game. Obviously, I would not take Kansas City to win the Super Bowl if they somehow made it to the next round. So we really want to look at what it is today. I might make predictions that are different in the second round of the playoffs, but this is what I'm thinking today. And I think it'll be fun to look back on these receipts at the end of the postseason. To start things off, the first prompt I have is how many first round upsets will happen based on favorites not seeding so a perfect example philadelphia is technically a favorite over the tampa bay buccaneers despite being on the road and the higher seeded team so as of right now i have two first round upsets i will save one of them later because i think it'll be the biggest upset which i have another prompt but i think we will see another upset of the likes of maybe the philadelphia eagles losing to the buccaneers or potentially the Chiefs losing to the Dolphins. So those are two that I think could be first-round upsets. 
Will a wildcard team make the Super Bowl this season? My answer, no. There are some teams I think could be dark horses, which will be later, but I don't see any team, AFC or NFC, making the Super Bowl right now. Will both one seeds make the Super Bowl this year? I am going to go no. Yes, last year we had the Eagles and the Chiefs. Both of them were one seeds and both of them made it to the Super Bowl. That is not how it always will happen and I do not think it will this year. Here are the biggest dark horse teams in the AFC and the NFC. For the AFC, I have the Cleveland Browns. I think they are a dark horse because I think they are the biggest threat to the Ravens as the one seed. I also think that their defense will be able to transition and go wherever. They are going to be a road team the majority of their playoff run. And while I don't see them going to the Super Bowl, I could definitely see them in an AFC championship game. My biggest dark horse team from the NFC is the Los Angeles Rams. They have a very tough matchup and an emotional matchup versus the Lions this up and coming week. But if they can get through Detroit, there is a good chance that they could be a dark horse team against anybody they would play in the second round. They are playing very good football right now. And with the top tier talent, Aaron Donald, Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, the quarterback that will not be named for Lion fans this week, the Rams are a very solid threat as a dark horse. What teams do I have the least confidence in in the NFC and AFC going into the postseason? For the AFC, it's the Miami Dolphins. Yes, I just mentioned that they could upset the Cincinnati, or not the Cincinnati Bengals, the Kansas City Chiefs. They are going to Arrowhead. It is going to be freezing weather. The reason I don't have confidence in them is how their season ended. And despite having talent, Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell, Tua, Raheem Mostert on offense, it's the defense that gives me a lack of confidence. Without Bradley Chubb, I don't think that the defense will be able to stop enough for their offense to outscore everybody that they would have to play this postseason. And then from the NFC, is it really a surprise? The least confidence I have in a team in the NFC are the Philadelphia Eagles. You could argue that they aren't even a playoff team right now. The only reason is because they started off so good this season, they, they had too many wins. This is not a good football team right now. They have the worst defense in the postseason because the only teams that they had a better defense than this season were the Cardinals and the Commanders. Last I checked, they didn't make the playoffs. So the Eagles are coming in with the worst defense and an offense that is sputtering on all fronts. They can't run the ball like they did last year. They can't throw the ball like they did last year. All they got is the tush push. So I do not have a ton of confidence in Philly. My biggest upset in the playoffs, I'm picking Green Bay over Dallas. Now hear me out. I know Dallas is undefeated at home, but something about how this Green Bay team has been playing over re recent weeks just has me feeling some type of way about them. The Cheeseheads have beaten several quality opponents. The Lions on Thanksgiving, the Chiefs in primetime. They have won any game and every game that they've needed to in order to secure a playoff appearance this year. They are young, yes, but I do think there is enough talent to surprise and knock Dallas out. Plus, Green Bay has nothing to lose. Dallas has everything to lose this season. My Super Bowl prediction before any of the playoff games start I'm having Buffalo and San Francisco in the Super Bowl. Why do I have Buffalo? Well, I think, yes, there are teams that could match up defensively good with the Baltimore Ravens, but I think the Buffalo Bills 
have the most explosive when it comes to chunk plays, huge gains, and big, crazy touchdowns amongst anyone in the AFC. I think that that style of offense could surprise even the best of Raven defenses and maybe get some gimmicky big touchdowns out of nowhere. This makes me believe that Buffalo will be able to do enough to get to the Super Bowl and beat the Ravens. As for the NFC, I think San Francisco is a very safe pick. I think the biggest threat to them most likely would be the Rams. Outside of that, they've already proven they could beat the Dallas Cowboys in their home place. They've already proven they could beat the Philadelphia Eagles in their, in in Philly. They're not going to want to come back and play San Fran again. So is the next threat Detroit? It might be the winner of the Detroit and uh, L.A. game. And I honestly don't believe that San Francisco would be losing to either of those teams this year. And then for my Super Bowl winner, I have the Buffalo Bills winning it all this season. I think Josh Allen is going to go on an all-time playoff run this year. If not now, when? They have all of the pieces. The defense, yes, it has been injury-prone, but you know what? I think that they've finally been able to adapt without some of their big pieces like Von Miller and Matt Milano. Their defense is starting to play good football again. You saw it against Miami. So I do think Buffalo has a very good shot at going on a long run, plus how their playoff schedule is set up, barring a big upset here or there, they would have to play the Steelers in the first round, which I think that they will beat them at home in Buffalo, and they would be able to avoid the Ravens until the AFC Championship game should Baltimore stay in. So they would have to face the toughest opponent last, and they would get multiple opportunities for other teams to knock them out. And I do think they match up pretty well against the Ravens. We didn't get to see this matchup this regular season. So these teams don't know each other too much yet. I think it'll be fun to see what these teams do when they match up against each other. And I think Buffalo should beat them. And then I like them against San Francisco because despite San Fran having a very dynamic offense with all of these big explosive pieces, I think the difference will be Josh Allen over Brock Purdy. Josh Allen's running ability, his playmaking ability, as long as it doesn't cost them with turnovers, I think Buffalo has a great shot to win the Super Bowl this year. So those were my playoff receipts. And again, if you want to play along, it was how many first round upsets, how many or will a wildcard team make a Super Bowl? Will both one seeds make the Super Bowl? Who's your biggest dark horse in both conferences? What team do you have the least amount of confidence in in the AFC and NFC? What's your biggest upset of the playoffs? What is your Super Bowl prediction and who is your Super Bowl winner? So if you want to play along or just share what you think about any of those in the comments, I would love to know. Hit me up on Spotify. Hit me up on Facebook. Doesn't matter. Max Sports is my Facebook page. Just same thing as the show. So hit me up on there if you want to share your receipts. Well, this is where we're going to wrap up the episode today. It is getting a little long, but I feel like everything we talked about was pretty fun. Tomorrow, we are doing our picks. I'm officially putting my name next to teams, and we're going to see how it works for the postseason run. I can't wait for it. I hope for those who have teams in the postseason, you're excited for the playoffs. And if you don't, hopefully you're just excited for playoff football and, and chaos maybe. But my name's Max. This has been Max Sports. I will see you all tomorrow. Adios, my friends.